Are you tired of all the voices who say, focus on the bottom line numbers? Say whatever you have to. Just close the sale. Just get the credit card. It doesn't matter what you deliver. You will never build a successful business until you grow a pair and stop caring so much. Here, we respectfully disagree. We give you permission to embrace who you are, how much you care, and encourage you to design a business that works for you and your clients. Welcome to The Art of Giving a Damn, the podcast that proves with every single episode that you can create a profitable business doing what you're passionate about and making a positive difference in the world. Now, here's your host, Michelle Schaefer. Hey, welcome back to another episode of The Art of Giving a Damn, and I am super excited to introduce you to today's guest. She and I have known each other for years, and uh, to just be really transparent, the first time I ran into Jane was actually back when I took a quiz that somebody had built with your system. I know we're going to talk about that more later, but uh, it was absolutely amazing, and uh, I'm so excited to have you on the show today, Jane. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. This has been a long time coming, as I said just a little bit ago, and I just love what you guys are doing. I love what you're up to and just the whole idea of us playing for the next whatever, however many minutes. This is like Absolutely. I know that everybody's going to get a lot of value out of this episode because uh, let me just start with your bio, actually, so they have some idea here. Jane is a sought-after business strategist. She's a two-time author, an international speaker, and a really respected mentor to mission-driven entrepreneurs around the world, which is why, Jane, you're such a great fit to interview on this show. I know over the past 30-some years, you have not only started and grown seven successful businesses of your own, you've also helped thousands of entrepreneurs to really transform their experience in business to one that is more profitable, highly leveraged, and deeply fulfilling. And that's a challenge for a lot of entrepreneurs to get to where they're at that place in their business. I know you and your team are just on a mission to really help expert entrepreneurs create more leverage in their businesses so they can increase their impact and their income and enjoy a higher quality of life. You get an amen. <laughs> yes, amen. So yeah. let's, let's just kind of start there. I know you have done so many different things over the years. Tell me a little bit about how you got started as an entrepreneur. Of all those companies, what was your first one? The first, I, so I, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family, Michelle. Like my, I watched my dad go from having nothing and building businesses. So I got to see, in some ways, the underbelly of entrepreneurship. I also got to see the freedom that it creates. and so. I, I came out of um, college and went straight into getting my master's in business because I knew I was, I was on a mission to have my own business. So entrepreneurship was always part of who I was. And my first business actually, that's about the first business and it was actually in high school. Wow. <laughs> I made earrings and sold them to my friends. It was just, you know, back in that early days. Awesome. And um, the first one where my husband and I said, so what's interesting, I think for some of your listeners who maybe are building their business with a partner. So each of the seven businesses over the 31 years has been started and grown uh, with my husband, which wow. I think I, I get an extra, you know. Yes, you get bonus points for that. <laughs> because we're still madly in love. We're still together after all these years. Still love doing business. So the first business was really straight out of my master's. We had $5,000. Um, I had a dream to start a company of my own. We were in the direct selling model. So it was a direct sale company. And I literally went from 
not, you know, we had a product, our product was jewelry at the time mm -hmm. from creating our own jewelry and then you know, having manufacturers do it, but just a journey of 13 years and just trying to make sense. Even though I had a master's in business, it did not prepare me. And so I think the, the biggest piece around that first business was just the importance of constantly, you know, staying connected to the vision and constantly mm -hmm. reinventing yourself and trying whatever you can because Mario and I had a vision of having a multi-million dollar company from that $5,000 investment. When we sold the business 13 years later, we were doing about 2.5 million. So we were, were fairly, fairly established. And of course we went and did it again, again and again and again. <laughs> we, we just keep going. So I gotta ask, because I know people are wondering as they listen or watch, how in the world have you managed to build that many businesses with your husband? And, and you seem like you're still fairly sane. <laughs> you're still in love. What tips do you have for somebody who's looking or trying to do that right now, build a business with a partner? How do you guys do that? I mean, I think first and foremost, clear, like, on the strategic or logistics side, it's clarity of roles. He has his domain. I have my domain. You know, the time that we do come together are mostly around, you know, we do a financial meeting every week and then every month. But like, honestly, one of the things that really, really works for us is my team communicates with him more about business than I do. Really? I know. I'm like, I'll send an email off to Deanne, who's my right hand, and I'll be like, can you talk to Mario about this? <laughs> so, you know, we just make sure that um, we allow each other to be who we need to be. We've got our goals mm -hmm. defined. And we, and we, you know, business... We don't talk about business as much as you might think. Mm -hmm. Set up a structure in the team that allows us to just be husband and wife most of the time. Most of the time. That's awesome. I know a lot of people really do aspire to that, having a business that either they've started with their spouse or that they can bring their partner home to work right. with. Yeah. It's an inspiration to see people who are able to successfully pull that off. Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't mean we're perfect, but it works well for us. You know, one of the things we, you, know, you and I were deciding what to talk about, Michelle, and we chose the concept of planning, and I think it's related to that, right, is Mario and I, we had a shared vision every single time we started a company, we'd go back. So for those of you who are like early on your track, mm. I get it because I've been at the starting date, you know, not even, we say seven times, it's seven businesses, but, you know, we reinvented those businesses. So even though we've started and grown, and sold some of those businesses, we've actually been at the starting gate a lot. And so mm -hmm. that's where I think that there's a value in us talking about what happens when you're coming into a new year yeah. and you're crafting that vision. Absolutely. You know, I think a lot of people just kind of, they fall into a business accidentally and they're trying to figure out the plan later or when each new year rolls around, they don't have that solid plan of where they want to take their business. So let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, starting with what do you think the reasons are that a lot of entrepreneurs don't plan? Because we know failure to plan is planning to fail. We right. know we need a plan and yet so many don't. Yeah, you know, Michelle, I think it's a little bit of the tactical game as well as the psychological game. So on the tactical side, most people never really underst understood or been told what to put in the plan. And there's some some argument today because everything is moving at the speed of light. There's some argument today that says, why create a plan when everything's changing? The plan's just gonna change, right? So what I like to say about planning is you plan so that when it does change, when you have to regroup, that you're making informed decisions. 
and you're moving. There's some elements of the vision. Like, so let's, we're, we're talking about, I've been in a lot of conversations around the annual vision, you know, what do you, where do I want to be one year from now? Yeah. Some elements of that that need to stay constant, but you need to be flexible to opportunities, new challenges. And so I think the reason that people don't plan is they don't know how to structure it to make it simple, but doable. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's something that just most of us weren't taught. I mean, most of us haven't even been taught goal setting beyond cram for passing a test or, you know, make sure you show up at work at the time you're supposed to. And when you go into running your own business, it's so entirely different um, right. that it, it is a challenge. So I know you have a really specific process that you use and, and um, that you teach people to be able to plan for that really great next year in business. Let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, tell us how your process works. Yeah, thank you. And, and I will say, you know, it's, it's one of my favorite times of year. Every year in December for the past four years, we've done what we call the best year yet campaign. And what it, what it is, is it's, it's a guide. So we have a very in-depth guide that describes the six steps that we teach in business planning. Mm-hmm. We call it freedom planning because business planning. I like that. Rigid. <laughs> um, so it begins with a guide so they can get the, the guide and get a sense of the over arcing process, but then more importantly, I, what I, when I think about my personal mission and my spiritual vision, I'm really here, Michelle, to heal the entrepreneurial angst, right? Mm-hmm. And because I felt enough of it, that first business, I ended up selling that first business because it was creating so much pain for me and in our marriage, but I sold the business and kept the marriage, right? And ever since, <laughs> I know, I know, really. Um, and if you were to know my husband, you would get why he's, he's just, um, he's my soulmate. But what I'll say is that I do this best year at, yeah, campaign. It's completely free. You guys can get the process. And then what I do is I do 10 days of blogging and I'm blogging in real time as I'm walking through the process myself. Oh, I like that. Yeah. It, and I will say like, I have to, you know, someone said, how are you doing this? And I'm like, well, I'm just pretending that one person is reading the blog. I'm not, I'm not even thinking about thousands of people looking at it. Cause that's because I'm like you. I mean, I think what you and I share, Michelle, is we're willing to be transparent because we know our transparency helps other people feel not so broken or messed up <laughs> because when people know that even me after 30 years and seven businesses, I bump up against the same stuff. Yeah, I, I feel that that really helps people in into and embracing the planning process. Yeah, you know, that's that's one of the things that I remind people all the time. People will ask me why would I share X or why would I be transparent about it. I'm like because I want other people to know, no matter what level you get to in business, you still struggle with things. Sure, they change slightly as your business grows, but the same concepts and the same you know confidence issues and some of those things keep creeping back up. The questioning yourself and if people realize they're not broken, it's just part of the process. It makes yeah. it easier to keep moving forward when you see other women, especially in business, going through the same thing and being willing to share that. Exactly. I know it's like it's sort of our, our pact, right? We're willing to be, to do this um, for the good of, of the whole. So, you know, in, in looking at the process, so we, we have our step number one of the process is a little bit different. It's I just, um, we're, we're, we're seeing the response to the first blogging that I did around that. But step number one is let the past inform your future. Oh, yeah. And that's I'll- a tough one for people. A lot of people don't want to, I mean, they don't even want to do a number spreadsheet, let alone look back and analyze it. 
Well, and, and, and interestingly enough, um, the looking back, we, we look less at the numbers because of course, yeah, we want to look at the numbers, but it's really about how did you move and experience fear? Where did the joy come from? Mm. Where was the ease? Where was the difficulty? And it's so funny, I just got back from a mastermind where I was with a group of people for, for three days. And the person facilitating it did what he called his annual planning process. And we didn't do any looking back. And I saw, I saw what it did in the room and how the people weren't really truly served. So here's what I'll say about looking back. We asked 10 questions. There's five questions that will elicit what didn't go so well. And there's five questions that will elicit what went well, that what was aligned with, with, with um, the year that you wanted. And in that process, you know, it's, it's the emotional ups and downs because we celebrate what we learned that went well, but I just, majority of entrepreneurs, they only see what didn't go well, mm-hmm. right? So that it's, is true. I mean, it, we're all human, right? It's like, you know, we get, we get feedback from being on stage and we get, you know, 31 people that say we're awesome and one person said, eh, okay, and what do we, what do we remember? Do we worry about the one person? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the same with planning. And so, so I just love the first step and it's really profound for people to be able to go back. And, and so I share the story for me, Michelle, this last year, I, um, it was, it was an interesting year for me and I'm very clear in sharing. It was what I call the year of less. It was less of, it was less, we, we sold less in sales this last year than we had ever before, which is the first time I think in 13 years, less launches, less this, less, you know, less of everything. And the reason is my mom became ill, you know, when we were celebrating her 90th birthday, we knew something was up. And so I took eight weeks and cared for my mom and, and bonded with my siblings. And then after that, I took a three-month sabbatical. So this was a year where I worked little, very little in, in comparison to previous years. And at the same time, it was the year where I learned more, we grew more, the team grew. And so had I not really looked back by answering the 10 questions, I wouldn't be able to then pull forth what I want to put into next year from a, from a conscious, wise place. So that's why I love the first step is just really getting, getting um, honest about it, but also surrendering to what the year was and making sure that we're pulling those lessons into next year so we can be more informed and do a better job of planning. I love that because I think you're right. It's so easy to focus on this didn't go the way I wanted. I didn't get this done. I didn't complete this project. This didn't happen. And we stop and we don't remember the things that went really well. We don't remember the moments that we celebrated or the things that that actually worked that we got done. And, you know, one of the things I've done with clients before is I'll ask them, describe to me what an ideal regular day is for you. Like if you could have your dream regular day at home, not the vacations, not all that, what would it be like? And when they describe it to me and we go, okay, what can you do to make that your reality right now? For most people, they're actually not that far from it. They're just not conscious of it. Like you said, they're not aware of what they want to create. And I love the idea of applying that to your year and going consciously, here's the elements from 2018 that rocked, that went really well, that I want to bring into 2019. And here's some other stuff we want to avoid this coming year. I think that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. So that's my favorite. Like that's, we just are, are finishing that up and, and um, we'll give people an opportunity to get the guide and then they can choose if they want to jump into the blog or do it from day one. And so really encourage people to do it from day one because you get that process of really getting grounded. So that's the first step. 
second step, we move into vision. And so I have a really specific vision process that I've used for decades for myself and for clients and share it to the guide. And for me, um, it's a way, it's, it's sort of like a, it's a couple different ways to, to get at the thing that we need, which is what does it look like? Mm. Most people, when they think of what they want for the next year, um, it, it, it comes in the form of to-dos. And so yeah. sure that we weave into there the beingness, the connections you want to make. So the nice thing about the process is it, it, it becomes a very well-rounded approach to casting a vision for what it is that you want and really feeling that it's in alignment with your values, um, with the kind of experience you want to have and the people you want to play with. You know, it's, it's interesting because everybody's got their little process for how they plan, how they do vision, and they're all, they're all different, right? The thing that, that has me most curious about yours is this isn't just some system you came up with. You literally have been in business 30 years. You've had all these different successful businesses, which tells me whatever the process is that you're using clearly works. I mean, to even be in a position where you can sit here and say, when my mom needed me, I was able to take the time off to be with my family. And then I took a sabbatical. Most entrepreneurs can't say that if they unplugged from their business for more than a day, it would collapse right. and they would come back to chaos. So you know, I just wanted to throw that out there because I know people are thinking, okay, it's a planet. No, it's more than a planning system. It's a system that actually clearly has worked for you. Yeah, it has. And, and I, I'm happy to say it's worked for clients when they embrace it. You know, um, part of what I see, like, you, you know, you were talking a little bit earlier about why people don't plan is, you know, so then, okay, once, once we can have a vision, oftentimes where people stop at the vision, right, the, the vision, they've got it. If, if we're lucky, they've written it down and it, it doesn't get stuck in a drawer. But then we got to move it into, okay, what am I going to do to make it happen? And that's, that's where I feel like it's so exciting to talk with you, Michelle, because I think you'll appreciate this. But I deal primarily in the thought leader realm. So it's a service-based service entrepreneur, consultant, speaker, trainer, author. What we've really discovered over the years is the stuff that needs to be on, your, on the docket to achieve the vision is actually kind of similar across the board. And so we play with something we call the master path, where mm. here we've developed the tool even more, where it's an opportunity for people to kind of check off and actually say, okay, out of all the things that a typical highly leveraged, highly successful thought reader needs to have in place, mm -hmm. I have in place. And so that's where I think the planning process is different is, is they're able to actually go through the list and say, oh my God, okay, I don't have this, this, this. So, so it, it's, um, it's exciting. It's especially this year because we've sort of amped up the tool that will serve people in a deeper way, which is, you, know, you guys don't have to guess at this. It's not rocket science and you all have to do pretty much the same thing. So let's just see where you are. <laughs> I love that because it is something that when you don't have that checklist, it, it does actually feel like rocket science to figure out what pieces am I missing. But when you have a checklist, especially one, like you said, has been created from looking at all of these thought leaders and seeing what pieces did they put in place? What do they have in common? What did they all do? It makes it easier to see they're there really is a simple process for most of the things we want to achieve. The only question is who knows the process and how do you get that person to share it with you? So really knowing who do you go to, to mentor or coach with that can guide you through it. I got to tell you, you know, you and I also are in alignment around this. One of the biggest challenges right now is people investing in solutions or programs that they don't need at that point. And so that's the other thing is not only what do you need over the year, 
we do then we, we do what's called phase-based planning so we look at the year and quarters mm -hmm. this is such a big piece for eliminating overwhelm michelle as you look at the year you look at the master list we call it of things that you want to get done and you just ask yourself what's the quarter that i need to do it in challenges most people say next quarter i gotta do everything in the everything next everything in quarter one yeah <laughs> quarter one i'm just gonna kill myself and then i'll be ready for the rest of the year but um, and so and, and and what's interesting, you know, people will see this in my blog. I mean, even I am subject to that because I'll go through, do the first pass, I hand it over to the team. Who by the year in review? I didn't mention this. But every person on my team does the year in review. Oh, okay. Us uh, regarding what they saw the company is, and it's found huh. see how much we all knew what we weren't saying. Like we all knew exactly where you know what went well. So. So then, then we go into the quarter, and every single time, my my DM, who's like my COO of the company, every time she's like, "Really, seriously, you got all this in Q1? No, <laughs> we need to we need to push it back." But looking at the year and quarters, if you get each quarter is a bucket, it's yeah. one of the greatest ways to eliminate overwhelm. To, you know, to zap the "I suck" message before yeah. it happens. Um, so yeah, so so we go from the vision, then we pluck out all the things that need to be done to make the vision a reality, and then we put them in buckets. That sort of represents the first four steps. I, I love what you just said so much, I had to write it down. Zap the I suck message before it even starts. That's fantastic. <laughs> we should, that's, is that tweetable? Let's tweet. That is, that's, that's a tweet. It, that's, <laughs> it's funny because that's true, that is what we do. We put everything into our, I want to get all this done list, and then it, it's not even realistic. And we know that, like that little voice in our head is saying, what are you thinking? But we get all excited. We put it all on there and then we get frustrated and we're disappointed in ourselves and discouraged because we didn't get it all done. And I, you know, I tell people all the time, yes, you absolutely can do it all. You can't do it all this week. So what's our focus next? And what do we put on the later list? And I know for me, I think I need to start using the, the quarters thing for learning as well. Because oh, I yeah. love to study and learn. And I'm one of those people that I want to dive into everything. And like, it killed me because I made myself wait to dive into Facebook bots because it wasn't immediately applicable. This was like a year, right. not yet. And I put it on the list of when I finish these projects, then I get permission <laughs> to go dive into it because otherwise we overwhelm ourselves with so many things we want to do and learn and accomplish yeah. in business. So it's, that's a great perspective to look at it like buckets. I like that a lot. Yeah, I love how you tied in the learning because you'll, so what will happen is you'll have, so we do a theme for every quarter. So what's the, and so you'll know what to learn when based on the theme. I love that. Yeah, that, that's one of the things that I had. I had to uh, kind of put my foot down with myself years ago with the idea of I can't learn it just because I want to learn it. I mean, I could, but I'll ask myself specifically, am I going to apply this? If so, when? And right. if I can't, if I don't have the time to both learn it and apply it, it doesn't make any sense. It's got to fit into that strategic plan of no, the next step to scale my company is do this thing. Do I already right. know how to do it? Okay, then just go do it. Do I really need to learn more about it? Okay, well, maybe I should delegate it instead of learning it myself or, you know, figure out what's yeah. the right approach. Well, exactly. And I think the other thing that just getting really clear about what to do when it eliminates the shiny object. We're, we're, we're less susceptible to the pitch yeah. you know, of someone who, gosh, we love them. They're on yeah. webinar. Oh my God, it sounds like the answer to my prayers. And then we just look, okay, is it in the bucket, right? So I often say, you know, when you plan, you increase your profits just because you'll say no to stuff that you don't. Yes. 
Yeah, absolutely. You're able to stay so much more focused. I've had that conversation with people on sales calls before and we'll be going over a particular thing and sure, they could do it. I could sell them into it, but I'll ask, you know, what's your goal right now? And if it's something totally a different direction, I'll say, wait a minute, why are you on the phone with me? You need to go focus on that. This isn't the right time in your business for you to learn this other thing. No. And, and it's funny to watch people's reaction to that, but I would rather see them get results. Even if they love me and want to work with me or take one of my courses, stay focused on the result you're after. That, you know, there's a lot of people that, that and I think some people listening, you guys may resonate with this, are kind of course junkies. We go from one course to the next course to the next course to the next course. Yeah. And instead of actually implementing in your business, you're wasting time. You really are. And I know that sounds harsh, but if you're not focused on those goals and how the learning lines up with it, then you're wasting time that could be put towards actually making progress in your business. So like what you said was profound because as, as you go through the, we call it the rear view mirror exercise is step number one. That can be one of the things. So what do you want less of and what do you want more of is sort of the end of that exercise. And I want less, I know, less, um, I think with the courses, people, what, what they want to do is go into the year less susceptible to the message, more strategic. And so it's, it's less courses, more implementation. You know, I also will say Q1 for many people who are listening, Michelle, Q1 is around strengthening the foundations. Mm, yeah. and, you know, sometimes you got to slow down to speed up, which means you got to get, get the support in place, get the sequences built, get your signature talk written, you know, refine and, and, and you know, perfect the enrollment conversation. Yep. So many times we talk about people and all they're focused on is growing their list, but if they get on the call, they're winging the sales conversation. If they get a gig, they're, you know, winging the, the, the presentation. And so, so I love it when, when Q1 becomes all around strengthening foundations so that you can really be ready to amp up and create the momentum. And then quarter two, three, and four is so much more successful because you really took time to strengthen the foundations in Q1. Absolutely. That, that saying of, of slow down to speed up is so true. We get so trapped in just like almost the hamster wheel of our business and doing things one-off, like you said, that we don't have the processes and foundation in place and you cannot scale safely without that in place because everything breaks. And that's where you end up in the mess of what do I do when everything collapses? Yeah. Not a fun place to be. And selling your time for money where, you know, that was, that was the litmus test for us is that, you know, if I wasn't really literally from, from April 1st all the way to September, doing much but because we had leverage into the place because the team yeah, yeah so I and I know that's that's very much how you built your business and I think it feels for people like a luxury it's so interesting I was talking to someone about leverage and they're like no I gotta you know I, I'm still in the stage where I, you know, I've got to nose to the grindstone and do all the work myself and it's like wow let's shift the paradigm that actually leverage can be put in place in the first quarter of next year if you don't feel like you have it so yes. that all the other quarters are more impactful. Absolutely. I think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs, especially if they don't have a business background, go into business as service providers or as whatever they're doing is time for money, not realizing there are so many ways to structure what they do that really can give them leverage. You know, we all do that exercise of, I have X number of hours I want to work a week and I want to make X number of dollars a year. So how much do I need to make an hour? And I tell my clients, it's the wrong way to do the exercise. Yeah. Cut that number in half. 
So if you want to work 20 hours a week, what would you have to make in 10 hours a week to actually do it? And start looking at your billable time differently. It's not, I'm working for a client right now that's billable time. It's looking at things like recording a podcast like this and going, okay, what's the actual outcome from it? What is this time worth? Looking at something like writing your marketing materials. I wrote an email last night that brought in 10K today. That's a high dollar activity in your business. If you want to learn to create leverage, you've got to start looking at where does the money actually come from? And it's not you providing services nearly as much as it's learning how to scale yourself, do the, do the copywriting, the marketing, getting those foundational pieces and systems in place. And people miss that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's possible. Oh, well, I know you've got a lot of different projects uh, on your plate and we want to make sure we send people to where they can find you at these different places. Yeah. One thing I know you said I had permission to share was that people can get access to this best year planning system. Right. Absolutely. So we're going to give you a link. So it's right there with you. I think you might have um, a special URL. I did. I set up a special URL. If people yeah. go to theartofgivingadam.com forward slash best year. That'll take you to Jane's planning system. I highly recommend you grab a copy of that. That's been tested and works for Jane, for her clients. It'll give you a different way to look at how you plan like you've heard us discuss today. So beyond that, where can people find out more about you? Well, the overall, so we have two um, different technology companies. So for those of you who are at that stage where summer in your plan for next year is to create a course, so you're leveraging your expertise through a program, whether it's a group program you deliver live or calls or take it online. So we have a curriculum design program so we can help you turn your expertise into a program. So that's um, under the realm of Global Experts Accelerators. So globalexpertsaccelerator.com is our parent company site. Um, I will say that I think it's so much fun that they're going to be able to experience um, the best year yet experience. Basically, you're gonna you're gonna begin the process by downloading the guide. The moment that you download the guide, you'll be able to then opt in to receive the daily blogs, those 10 day series, pulling back the curtain, helping bring the content and the process to life. And it culminates with a class where I'm answering the biggest challenges regarding that. They'll also have an opportunity to take a quiz. So you mentioned the quiz earlier. Yes. So of course we do we do quizzes all the time because one of my uh, technology companies is called Smart Biz Quiz. Yeah, we help thought leaders make sure that they have assessments, surveys, quizzes that they can use in their process of courting and closing clients. So they'll go have a chance to experience one of those, and okay. um, also the Master Path. I'm not quite sure how we're going to um, weave that in there, but I'm on a mission to make it super simple for people to decide what needs to happen next year. Awesome. Yeah, the uh, the smart business is actually how I first ran across you. I took one, and and uh, it was for a client that I was working with, and I was like, "This is brilliant! How did you guys set this up?" Because it was such a great tool for filtering through and figuring out where somebody's at, and just in taking the quiz had such value for their leads to be able to see, okay, this is where I'm at. This is the next step that makes sense. It was fantastic. Thank you. Uh, that's how I ran across you was they were like, oh, this is from, you know, Jane at Smart Biz Quiz. I was like, I need to know more about that. I know. It's so great. And I know there's places for us to play. I will tell you that as we look to 2019, we've made the decision to relaunch. It's the 3.0 version of the quiz. So you thought, oh. Michelle, it's, it's off the hook right now. We're recording. Um, there's seven different sequences and ways to use the quiz. So we're recording all the training now. So yeah, that's, that's going to be my uh, passion project for 2019 into everybody's hands because everybody needs this. 
Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to see where you guys go with it. It's already fantastic. So I can only imagine what's next. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I have just uh, one more question before we wrap up. And that is, what's your favorite thing about what you do in business? My favorite thing about what I do in business is that it really, entrepreneurship, helping a person start, grow, thrive in their business, it is single-handedly the greatest personal transformational experience that they're ever going to have. So even though we use tactics and strategies and things to help them leverage, and yeah, they make more money. The most important thing to me is that the individual transforms. They become a better version of who they are through the power of entrepreneurship and that's definitely what I love most. That is beautiful. I love that. Mm. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Jane. I appreciate your time and everything oh. you shared. Thank you so much, Michelle. I love the work you're doing and I'm excited to play even more. Awesome. All right. Wherever you are watching this at or listening, be sure you uh, like, rate, review, subscribe, and don't miss the next episode. And be sure you grab that best year planning guide again, theartofgivingadam.com forward slash best year. There is a link somewhere near the video or audio that you are listening to. Don't miss that. And I will see you back in the next episode. Yay. Bye. <laughs>